0: I enjoy reading how people write, which for us is more around how they respond to application questions. So what we have found is that we get really strategic with our application questions to try to gauge how someone, by the way they answer something, you can see how they think. The way they write, you can see how they think. Hey, Dan. Hey, George. What are we talking about today?
1: You know, I've been having um, lots of coffee lately. Um, the world reopened, if, you, if you'd if you heard. Um, mm-hmm. COVID yeah. is I'm gone. very happy. Mm-hmm. Literally doesn't exist on the planet anymore. Not true. I, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, but um, the world definitely has opened up, and I've been making up for lost time. I've been having coffees you, with as many you've people. You've been out
0: there. You've been like, socializing, uh, talking a lot. Having fun. It.
1: it took me about 40 days to learn how to talk to another human being, not on oh, I Zoom. bet.
0: Yeah. But it's a, it it's a, I mean, it is a habit. It's a discipline to, yep. to build. So yeah, absolutely.
1: While doing that, most of the folks I've been talking to are other business owners or leaders inside of organizations, chief product officers, and um, other leaders just in our space. And I've been kind of just trying to do a little fact find. What's, mm. what are some of the big challenges going on right now? What are the, mm. what are the things that we're all, we can all have a common, like, yep, we could all toast to that. Mm. And the biggest one, the biggest theme I've heard, there's lots of them, but the biggest theme I've heard recently is I can't, I can't find talent. Mm. I just, yeah I can't get enough people to get all the stuff I need to get done. Yeah. And um, so I thought maybe you and I could unpack that a little bit. We could dive into it a little bit about what's going on in the world and why is there, not only why is there this big tech talent gap, mm-hmm. but also um, what are some things that companies are doing about it? What are some things that we're doing about it? Mm-hmm. And um, how can leaders think about the fact that, yes, this is a common problem. It's it's going to stick around for at least a little bit longer. So what do we need to do to address this, this gap that we have in order to achieve the goals that we're, we're heading towards right now?
0: Yeah. And it's important to differentiate too on a couple gaps we've experienced um, before. One is just a gap in maybe the expertise or the skill set of talent. So we've experienced that before where, you know, maybe there is a a shortage of, you know, experienced technical and creative talent, but there is plenty of um, individuals that are either switching careers coming out of university or boot camps or whatever. Um, and there's, there's just a, a gap in, you know, expertise. Um, then there's just a gap in general and to where the supply of tech talent in general is just very low,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: there, the demand for that talent is quite high. And I would say that we're probably experiencing both right now, to be yeah, quite honest.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, because I think that you have not only do you have uh, an opening up with with a bunch of technology shift, with a bunch of industry shifts that the individual can go find lots of different ways to make money now. Where mm-hmm. like the tech route, the STEM route was like one of the primary ways to be successful, like or at least to make a, a good career mm-hmm. decision. Now there's lots of different ways to make money, crypto and NFTs and gig work and Fiverr and everything else um, or drop shipping or real estate or whatever. There's lots of different ways to to make a career mm-hmm. that tech isn't quite maybe as sexy as it used to be, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: not in the same way. So, you, So you maybe don't have as many people generally coming up in that space. And then on top of that, you're looking for experience talent to take care of the things that you need to get done now mm-hmm. versus bringing that person up and having to invest time and resources and money and effort mm-hmm. to like train a person, mm-hmm. the person you want them to be. That's, that's a, that's a dilemma.
0: Well, and with new technologies coming out, anyone who wants to get in the field of software engineering or data science or whatever, there's so many more options that the, again, that reduces the, the supply of individuals even coming out of university. So, you know, and we'll get into this probably a little bit, but even with like web three, mm. you know, and you have, uh, you know, young individuals even coming out of high school, but even in college. So anywhere from 18 to 22, 23, um, who are very good at teaching themselves. Very yeah. good at, um, you know, self-taught, um,
1: They've had programs. Since they were babies.
0: Right. And typically they hear and are, uh, They, what am I trying to say? They hear information and are probably earlier adopters (laughs) than a lot of us because they're on their researching. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone who's been researching the last 18 months of like, oh, what could I do Um, from a technology standpoint? They've heard of Web3. They've heard of blockchain. They've heard of all the different, you know, metaverse and all that. And so a lot of them that may have for them two or three years ago jumped into JavaScript or Python or some of the, you know, traditional software engineering, they're going into other things. And so as they come out of college or even out of high school, their ability to get a job fairly quickly is like, it's fast. Mm -hmm. Like they're, if they're good and, uh, you know, and they have a skill that is, um, that everyone wants right now from a tech startup and, or even a large enterprise, they're going to get plucked pretty fast like really so fast. So true. And so I think that's what we're dealing with is, again, uh, both a gap in expertise, which is fine um, because you're able to bring on younger folks, teach them the way that maybe you do things at your agency or another agency or whatnot. But right now, just the pool itself,
1: mm-hmm. I feel like
0: has there's a lot more uh, uh, people fishing mm-hmm. in a very small pond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like and a it's very small pond.
1: If you're in this space, it might feel like, well, come on, there's everybody does this, and it's like, no, you know, reach, just step outside of your little circle for a second, and this is still a pretty niche, um, yeah, niche area, yeah. And I want to revisit because we talked about it in previous episodes, but if you haven't been listening to People Product for a while, one of the things that we talk about is product teams, right? And so mm. this is gonna this is gonna be true in uh, Web three. It's definitely true in the kind of modern. Um, Web and mobile space, or in the creative advertising or creative marketing space, fintech, marketing tech, uh, um, health tech, etc., is that you need to be representing a couple different things. And when we say tech talent, by mm-hmm. default, most people go to code, right? Developers, right? right. Um, but there are other roles, and they're they're just as in demand, and they're just as important. So, product management. There's a huge gap in good product management right now Mm -hmm. in the market. Um, People that understand that product management is not project management. It's not about Mm -hmm. just keeping the task straight. It is about business. It's about uh, priority. It's about understanding what your technical talent is doing and understanding what your user experience talent is doing and et cetera. And being able to pull from stakeholders, being able to see the opportunity. I mean, there's just like... Product management's hard. I mean, it's, I think one of the reasons Google succeeded so well in their product management apprenticeship program years ago, they created founders because of that program, right?
0: Right. Right.
1: Huge gap there. Design talent. So this is product design, user experience, user interface design, um, even you could probably wrap creative writing into that. And anybody hmm. who's thinking creatively about how a product feels, how it's shaped, the brand identity, the user experience, um, again... Lots of people have explored design, but when you get into the niche of saying, we're talking about systems, we're talking about uh, usability, accessibility, we're talking Mm -hmm. about scalability of your design, and then all the way through to user flow and validation and feedback loops and working with your technical team, hearing from your product manager, this is a very collaborative, very experience-driven thing. Right. Right. And then, of course, the development, but also I would add into that test engineering. So that team that's really thinking about how to make sure you're building quality product and that you're actually um, committing to the outcomes of what your product's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Add to that each of those categories, product management or product design, development, even testing, splice it, what, a dozen ways underneath there? Back end, front end, data science, machine learning. Mm -hmm. Um, et cetera, et cetera. You've got a lot of different roles that need to be represented. So as a reminder that when we're talking about tech recruiting, we're actually talking about all these roles.
0: Um, Yeah. And also team design. Cause when you're recruiting, it's no different than recruiting from a sports team. It's like, okay, we need to go out and get a point guard because our point guard is a senior and going to, you know, or a junior and going to be gone in two years. It's no different than, you can't just go out and recruit all product managers. If you truly, you know, if you have a cross-discipline team, you're out there looking for all of those roles. And depending on, again, the state of the market, the labor market, you can be really out of whack and just out of balance to where it's like, well, great. We just hired 10 people, but they're all designers. We don't have anyone that can build it or we, they're all developers. We don't have anyone that can design it or product manage it. And so that creates another, you mm. know, just wrinkle in that or one uh, looking at? yeah, wrench in there, throwing a wrench in there is... Is yes, go out and recruit, but you are also tactfully and strategically putting a team together, um, and that right now is very difficult.
1: More often than not, we I hear and um, talk to other teams where they went, yeah, well, we hired a dev, then we hired five devs, we now we have like a dozen devs, um, and and they're just not, it's not working. We're not getting these results that we expected to experience. And I'll be like, sweet, so who's doing user user experience design? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a contractor that does, gives us like three hours a week. Okay. Uh, who's, who's handling product management? Well, you know, the, the COO does that sometimes. And, um, you know, one of the, the developers kind of acts like a product manager. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and you start right. to see like, oh, well, no, like you said, you stacked the team with one mm-hmm. player, mm-hmm. like, you know, one player type. Right. Um, and that's, that's can be very detrimental. So as we're thinking about hiring all these, um, different roles. Um, Let's talk a little bit about then what's happening in the industry right now. Mm. What are some of the things that we're seeing? We've already talked a little bit about the gap. We we know that COVID forced us to go into massive digital transformation. Mm -hmm. Talked about that early days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't need to beat that drum anymore, uh, but it forced us to think about technology being a primary driver for how organizations work. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing that. And so there's a demand of having to create more solutions to solve more problems because I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I'm, I feel like we're three years in and we were already pretty good at it. And we still mm-hmm. struggle with certain things mm-hmm. around hybrid and remote work doing mm-hmm. it well. Right. right?
0: Well, and with the, I don't want to call it the onslaught, but the movement towards remote and hybrid work, um, adding in that globalization. So before COVID, um, you know, there are a lot of companies, agencies, including us that really tried to, because the value of having people in the same space, yeah. we would try to work with, uh, hire and work with individuals that were fairly close to where we were either, at least mm-hmm. in the region for sure. Yeah. I mean, we put uh, that office way,
1: in the creative district just to, as a right. recruiting tool. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and so we didn't, um, Em, employ the strategy of you know offshore or near shore, um, any sort of global um, uh, resources. Now it's completely different because I mean you're doing that regardless of <laughs> like if you know f- uh, last year I think uh, maybe half, close to half of our hires were remote, actually outside of our region, even if Kansas more, City. Yeah, yeah. And so that has opened so many more avenues of working with uh, individuals overseas. You know, uh, in South America, obviously in Europe. Um, so just the globalization again. So now people are looking there, and that short that that supply is growing shorter because people are hiring um, individuals or even companies um, that are in these these foreign countries um, that do great work too. Yeah, they do really. Better. They do really great work. And I mean, if we're going to, if you're working on the West coast and you're working remote, you know, with someone on the East coast, there's a, you know, three or four hour, you know, time difference there. What's the difference in like, if you're working with someone, you know, in Brazil, right. You know, who's, you know, two, three hours, you know, ahead of you. And so, um, yeah, that has thrown, um, just another, Again, something to consider, um, as you, as you're hiring. So just this hybrid remote global, it's just made, uh, given more access, but because everyone is trying to access it again, it's almost like it's still a level playing field and there's a shortage in supply.
1: Absolutely. I think the, I think there, then that's not going to slow down. The The question is, is where will where will we see pockets of innovation of, of talent start popping up? Mm-hmm. Um, Again, yeah. globally, where we see it back in the States as well, you know, where we see certain metropolitan areas that maybe didn't invest in tech talent start to make that a big, big focus for their economic driver. Um, I think in general, though, we've definitely seen that as the digital, as the digital transformation took place, it happened faster than the, the amount of talent we had ready for it. Mm-hmm. So I think one of, the, one of the conversations I had was everybody said, yeah, we skipped three years. In digital transformation but we still did it right we just had to do it with less resources and now that we're trying to do it at scale we just don't have enough people to get it done or to sustain it to continue to sustain what we're using and making now and also think about what's next and continue to innovate and continue to create new things new ideas and so there's a gap between um, how fast things are moving the scale and speed at which stuff is moving and the number of human beings to get it done
0: right Right, exactly.
1: Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into uh, maybe a little bit of a controversial space as well, but there there has been a little bit of a shift as well in because of supply and demand, meaning mm-hmm. there's a huge demand for tech talent, the
0: supply mm-hmm. is low,
1: you, you start to see a kind of shift in what used to be, and you, t- you talked about, we talked about this earlier, but it kind of flip-flops back and forth. It mm-hmm. used to be that, an, impl- uh, an imp- person looking, uh, one of those, a person that is applying for a job mm-hmm. has to sell themselves into mm-hmm. the organization. And then, you know, there's a long recruiting process to make sure that you're the most qualified, con- uh, cl- uh, what are my w- words, candidate. Oh, my goodness. Right. Right. And, and then maybe you'll be selected as one of the lucky few out of the many that wanted to work here and you got a job. Right, it's almost completely flipped mm-hmm. in the, in that because the demand is so high, I just need people. I assume you can learn fast. if you kind of know how to code, if you kind of know how to design some screens, if you've ever looked at JIRA tickets before, that's good enough for me. Can you start tomorrow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and so what ends up happening is actually that the the folks looking to apply for jobs. They have the upper hand of being able to say, well, I've got five offers right now. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. I've heard some stories. that This isn't all true, but especially if you have any level of experience, you've got many offers, which again is raising salaries because inflation and because demand it's raising um, compensation packages. Mm-hmm. And then once one company raises it, everyone else has to keep up with this kind of rising competition for talent. Mm -hmm. And, um, at at a certain point at a threshold that isn't sustainable,
0: right? I feel like we see this. I'm. I'm tr- I think we see this flip flop about every four years. Yep, honestly, I, I think the last time you and I were had talked about this with some other business owners, it was like 2017, maybe into 2018. Uh-huh. Again, depending a lot on what uh, the economy is doing. But you, you're absolutely right right now. I mean, it's basic economics. There's uh, high demand, short supply, and so there's a lot of negotiation authority and that rests in those that are applying for jobs. Yep. And so um, again, yeah, you will. Um, you'll be able to get three or four different offers and at some point, you know, a bidding war may happen. And, um, then you, you know, you'll have a choice of working for a company that, you know, um, you were able to get the best offer from. And again, that causes rises, you know, in salaries, uh, compensation, benefits package, whatnot. Um, and then that, again, that's because this, and I, I was talking with someone the other day, it's like, you know, describing the labor market. It's like, it's just weird. <laughs> I like, it's this just is weird. just a weird labor market right now, uh-huh. yeah. um, in general, especially with comparing it to all other aspects of the economy. But, um, I, yeah, I, this, again, this is probably the third time we've seen this flip in, yep. in the history of our company. Um, will it correct? It, it always has. It will. Um, but right now, yeah, from an employment standpoint or employer standpoint, yeah, you're in, we're in one of those markets where negotiating, um, there's negotiating authority is with the employee or the candidate and we are having to persuade Mm -hmm. uh, more than we are promoting ourselves um, and really presenting ourselves um, as almost as just as much an interviewee as an interviewer.
1: It is. It's an interesting shift because there's always been a, it's always been hard to find tech talent, but it's definitely, you know, because that gap, it's, it's harder to do it now than, than ever. Um, And then finally, and I think this is important, but there, there's definitely a rise as we're seeing this gap, in both um, the supply and demand, the need to um, actually fulfill roles, you're creating a larger gap between opportunity and maybe access to opportunity. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing um, a really big focus into diversity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is uh, really exciting because it actually, it's times like this that actually do open doors, Yep. but um, what we're seeing is organizations put a high focus on making sure that there is uh, definitely representation across their organizations and lots of different people groups. And so right. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, I think it's just an, yet again another factor that's being kind of taken into how do companies do this well? When they're just mm-hmm. trying to find talent, they do want to make sure that they're representing diversity well, not only just mm-hmm. to help people that maybe haven't traditionally had access, but mm-hmm. also because that diversity brings perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And, and I that we, that's something we've been really talking a lot about is that we want, we want greater perspective so that we're me- making better products. Right. You know, that that represents the people that are going to use your product.
0: Yeah, and it causes you to be very strategic when you're out there hiring, too, because and we've taken a look at this of where we've posted job positions in the past and how can we cast a wider net so that we are posting in uh, in different areas to where individuals of all ethnicities um, or or people groups or worldviews are able to see that job posting. Because a lot of times, you know, if you only post a few different places, the perspective we may have is like, oh, everyone uses that platform or everyone is searching that platform. Well, that's not true. And so casting a wider net so that uh, the goodness there is that, you, you know, your company starts to be a, a more diverse, a reflection of the diversity that's within your own community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Okay. So we know the challenge. We know that this is a common theme. So so what are companies doing about it right now? Um, mm. but Dan, I'm going to throw that to you a little bit. What's some of the things that mm. you've been seeing that companies are are moving into or trying to be, get creative in ways to solve this, this shortage, this, this gap between available talent and the, the demand and str- strategies they have going right now.
0: Yeah. One, um, that, you know, we employ, but we know it a lot of different companies do is, is, um, what we, you know, you might call creating your own talent is, yeah. um, from boot camps to apprenticeships. Uh, and that's the route we've taken is the apprenticeship program that we've had for, I think for almost five years now, close to five years and where it opens avenues for individuals that you can see probably, you know, they meet the intangibles of your organization, the values um, they add to your culture. They're, they're curious, uh, they're humble, they're willing to, to dive in. They just haven't been for whatever reason, either taken the opportunity or given the opportunity to dive into the technical skill mm-hmm. about it. And so if you can or find to dive someone in deeper
1: to that technical right. still, they might have basics, but like right. to have the real world example is a whole nother level.
0: Right. And so what we found is if you can create a program Um, again, for us, it's a, it's an apprentice program that brings in individuals that, you know, they check items one through seven of an, of a fantastic employee, eight, nine and 10 is all technical. Well, then let's train them. Let's bring them in, uh, for six, what we do six months, uh, could be 12 months and train them in how we, um, how we design and develop the products that we make for our clients. And so, and we're seeing that a lot. Uh, we see, I mean, there's whole programs out there that you can go and access to try to uh, get an apprentice at your company. Um, yeah. so we created our own, but there are really great companies out there that you can go and say, Hey, we'd love to be a sponsored employer or not. And there's we'd tax love to be a benefits sponsor. to yeah. doing
1: that. And there's, there's, right. there's ways to actually help, um, get that supplementally paid for as well.
0: Right. So yeah. that, that's one way that we're seeing is, uh, individuals creating their own talent, uh, companies creating their own talent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I'd add to that on the creating the talent. Um, I know of large enterprises that will actually do boot camps as well. So they yeah. like, you know, there are boot camp programs all across the country for bringing up talent um, kind of as a maybe a higher education alternative. <clears throat> but the boot camps inside organizations are actually saying, hey, you've worked here for a while, but actually if you want to try this different career, the different skill will help to bring in people that will train you. And then maybe you move into an apprenticeship program or something where you can get real world experience. Um, hmm. All of those are viable as far as creating talent. I think another, another thing that I've seen and talked to, gosh, it seems like every single mid to large size company that I've talked to recently has acquired at least one company recently. Right, yeah. Um, If not multiple companies, I think we were looking up, I don't remember what the the stat was. Um, Do you remember how many Accenture hired? Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. So uh IT consulting firm Accenture, one of the most prolific ac- acquirers, this is a Wall Street Journal article, invested roughly four point two billion dollars mm-hmm. across forty-six acquisitions in 2021 fiscal year alone. hmm Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, there's several is,
0: design studios that we've followed um, that have been acquired.
1: Yeah, ones that I thought will never sell, you know. Right. Like right. but they they definitely, this is this is the year of the acquisition, especially for companies like us. Uh, but also, um, I think you're seeing tech firms buy up other uh, other organizations. We'll do a whole nother episode about M and A, because I think that there are a lot of challenges to that going well, because mm-hmm. like, you're merging culture, you're merging technology, merging uh, processes and approaches, you're merging benefits and compensation. Like, there's just way more than just saying I need more bodies. Right. Um, but it's one way that companies are trying to 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 crack that yep what else? absolutely
0: well, uh and we've been like this for a long time, but um just coming out of college or even looking for a new job you know the the resume the usefulness of a resume is probably going down again, this is probably an this opinion, not necessarily
1: say, this is hard for you.
0: I'm totally fine saying it. I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I
1: thought, you, I thought at one point in time you, lo- you, you were like, Oh, I love the traditional resume. It's a, it's a, it's a great tool.
0: I enjoy how people reading, how people write, Yeah. which yeah, yeah. for us is more around how they respond to application questions. Yeah. So what we have found is that we get really strategic with our application questions to try to gauge how someone, by the way they answer something, you can see how they think. the way they write, you can see how they think. And so, um, we'll ask different questions that try to get hint at where, you know, our, our values Mm -hmm. or, you know, how they might add to our culture or how they think about whatever technical skill that we're hiring for. Um, and so it's less about the resume because you can put together a really good resume with a whole bunch of certifications, which again, I'm not, I'm not dissing any of that. People have worked very hard for that, but it's, It's probably one tenth of what you can use to truly gauge someone's one technical skill and then their ability to be a a valuable contributor or an impact player at your at your company. And so using those questions strategically to draw out information uh, for us has been one of the key things to uh, recruit uh, talented people.
1: Yeah, and I would just add to that, we're also seeing a, a massive reduction in the value of the the traditional uh, bachelor's degree in computer science or design mm-hmm. or even you know project management or business management. Uh, I still think there's a lot of value in the university experience, um, mm-hmm. the exposure you get to a, an alumni network, the exposure you get to just like experiencing life at that age. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking for skill, if you're looking for experience, if you're looking for capability. Those are usually going to come out of that boot camp, apprenticeship, uh, self taught. I built yep. something on the weekend um, yep. type folks, and and we, I mean, a bunch of people on our staff. That's that's true of us, you know. Yep. Um, and we've. I less and less am I looking at. Do you have a computer science degree? And more and more, I'm looking at. Do you have a, uh, a GitHub repo? Do you mm-hmm. have a really brilliant design portfolio? Do you have examples of projects or products that you worked on? And can I call your your references to find out whether or not they liked working with you.
0: Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, all right, let's go see who they've worked with in the past and what they yeah. think about them. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah 100%. Yeah. The, not, not only that, I mean, you're getting to the point where the university experience is becoming cost prohibitive oh as gosh, well, yes. depending on what, you know, what line of work you're going into. And so if you can teach uh-huh. yourself you know, a lot of the skills that we hire for, which you can, there's so many valuable ways to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. You know,
0: you start thinking about, you know, the pros and cons, the cost benefit, the opportunity cost of, okay, I can get this type of job, the same job for training myself. I could probably train myself in 18 to 24 months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a fraction of, you know, a four year free. I mean, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then just, you know, and then if you're, if your type of learning is self-guided and starting to build and just test and try and experiment, then that is a perfectly valuable, you know, now do I want, you know, my future surgeon to have done? No, no, they need to go. We're
1: talking about the tech, the tech. (laughs) Right, right,
0: right. Um, But yeah, the, the pros and cons there, especially from a cost standpoint is becoming so cost prohibitive that it's really quite unfortunate.
1: I do think if you're getting into some spaces in, in the data science world, that some mathematics uh, around machine learning are, are pretty dig- traditional in the kind of like how to study yeah. theories. Yeah, because statistics a lot of that and. can be yeah. statistics and theories and, uh, and, and um, approaches. So that's, that's a good way to learn it. But again, even a lot of that is, is, can be self taught. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, rounding out, we talked about what other companies are doing. What, what are some of the things that we've done or at least some of the things that have worked for us over the last, well, 13 years as a whole, but also just in general, like things that we've implemented, we grew quite a bit last year uh, in 2021. Mm-hmm. And so what were some of the things that worked for us?
0: Yeah. One thing, um, you know, you can use the word ambassador or, you know, your own internal marketers to a certain extent, people that are really out there recruiting and promoting for you because they really have enjoyed their work experience. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and you start, and obviously you want all of your employees to have an experience to, to where they will do that. But there are some individuals that you'll find on our, on your staff and we have that are either, uh, have a really good network from a social media standpoint. Um, maybe they have a really good network because they go and attend a lot of different meetups or they're on some different Slack groups, Mm -hmm. um, that are just fantastic ambassadors, especially if they know that we're that you're hiring for a particular role. And so really, and then, um, asking them and just say, Hey, the, the, um, the content that you're putting out there or just the way that you talk about our company, we would love for you to continue to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great source of getting individuals to apply for a particular position and really enabling that, um, empowering that, and really encouraging those individuals to be your ambassadors. You can't get a better um, recruiting expert than those that are working there um, that proof. really love their job.
1: Yeah. yeah social proof i mean it's south sales work as well and to a certain extent when you're selling your company to come work here you want to know is it is it the way they say that it is you're right mm-hmm. we can we can put on a, a resume this is going to be the best place you've ever worked your career defining etc but it isn't until you talk to somebody that that has been there especially someone who's been there for a long time they right. can go right yeah it's not perfect but man they they are working hard to create an incredible space so that that does require two things i want I want to remind folks is that the way that you get people to talk about how great your company is, is by building a company that's great to work for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, as you're thinking about building those ambassadors or empowering those ambassadors, create an environment where people are flourishing and people want to work and people can do good work and they're challenged and they, they get to be curious and they get to be creative, especially in this world of technology. That's mm-hmm. why people get into this, right? right? But if you have a culture, if you have a space where people can't do that, asking them to be an ambassador is not going to be very effective. <laughs> right. Um, good, good, good. And I guess to that, kind of to piggyback on that is um, we do something like this podcast, right? Um, and our YouTube channel and our social media is that we, we create a crap ton of content, not only trying to be thought leaders so that we can attract people to, to consider using Crema or help other organizations to do it themselves, but also mm-hmm. to say this is how we think your world. Here's a little, here's a little peek into our culture. Um, so that you can tell we're not blowing smoke, but right. Come check, come check it out. And, um, and so we've, you know, everything from vlogging to interviews to, um, you know, videos showing off our, our kind of cultural fun things that we do, but also showing off our work saying, Hey, this is the type of things you could come great with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: th- th- The hard part is that people only think about creating content for sales, creating Mm -hmm. content for marketing, but you cannot provide a service if you do not have people. Right. (laughs) And getting back to the people product, if you're not recruiting people by putting content out there, knowing it's about drawing particular talent in, then you're not going to stand out from the crowd just like sales.
0: Yeah. And on that topic of sales, uh, that kind of dives into another, um, practice is just always be recruiting, you know, yeah. it's like always be selling, always be, you know, building the backlog, of, you know, the sales pipeline. Um, but, for service companies that Have a a premium service. They're really trying to deliver quality work. Um, The people that you have on your team really matter. And so, if you're growing, um, obviously you have to grow both sides of that coin of sales, but also the individuals that are going to be working on that. And so, really having a stance to where. You're having conversations, you're reaching out to people, you're having coffees Mm -hmm. or whatnot to ask them, Hey, how, how's work going? What are your future aspirations? Um, just so you know, I'd kind of like you to work here. Just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, I'm just going to drop that just so you know. Uh, but yeah, that idea of always be being recruiting is something that companies need to be doing because you'll get to a point. like, Oh, we need to hire someone who's, and then you have to just start from scratch. Yeah
1: yeah uh, i was listening to a podcast uh, masters of scale highly recommend you subscribe to it it's just about as good as this one and um <laughs> almost maybe a little more produced um but they were talking about recruiting and um as one of the themes that they were covering and one of the things they talked about is like is be be hiring people that don't want to move so you always think about right. like well i'm going to catch the people that are available the good people aren't available the the great people aren't hanging out between companies the great ones have awesome jobs they're they're compensated well and and you have to be thinking how do i convince that amazing person to come work for me one day not mm-hmm. in a poachy way but in a i want to give you the opportunity that that you know for us crema might be the place you want to be right at some point in time it's going to be a part of your career story
0: mm-hmm. so they used
1: the example of tim cook at apple was um, for years was trying to get, oh my goodness, I just drew a blank on her name, the The CEO of Burberry in London. And um, and she just kept saying no. She was like, no, I love my job. They had just you know, made a name for themselves and they raised money or something. They were just on like a scaling you know, rocket ship. She's like, no, why would I leave this? This is the greatest good job I've ever had. And he's like, no, I really think you would just, you know, it's first off, we're Apple. Come on, come work for us. And she's like, no, I appreciate the offer. It's very generous, whatever. And it took years from what I understand. And don't quote me, go watch the, go listen to the episode. But it took a long time, a lot of patience from Tim Cook and a lot of investment to say, I need a, a visionary leader. I don't mm. need a man, a people manager. I don't need a techie. I need a visionary leader. And mm-hmm. I think you're that person. And I'm, mm. I'm going to wait for you. Mm. That's how I get goosebumps. It's hard to argue with. Having, having that conversation, right? Um, so yeah, uh, definitely always be recruiting. And then, um, I, I think the big thing, it, it comes back to again, that people talk, you know, right. So anything you can do to create an environment where, um, both those that have interacted with you, former employees, former, um, uh, clients, they're just like sales. They're going to refer people to you for sales, but they're also going to refer people to you for, for potential talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just always be ready to have that conversation. Cause you may, you may not know that the next best person for you is, is just one coffee meeting away. That's right. Okay. So we've solved all of our pro- pro- hiring problems. Um, get out there and go do it. People I mean,
0: we talked about the people of product
1: and how to get See it. what I did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see what you did. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribed to this, um, episode and, um, we'll see you next time. as so we keep cracking some of these big challenging issues with trying to do this thing. We love product.
0: Cheers. This episode of people of product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by CREMA, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.